Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for August 7th, 2020. On this day in 1606, Shakespeare's play Macbeth premiered in the Great Hall at Hampton Court Palace with King James I, a Scotsman, and his brother-in-law, King Christian IV of Denmark, in attendance. The tragic tale of a Scottish general haunted and then destroyed by his own ambition opens with three witches delivering a prophecy that suggests he will one day become King of Scotland. They reappear during the play to frighten the story along and keep audiences unsettled and edgy with incantations and spells as the bloody murders and battles continue and the body count grows. If you've ever had a career in the arts or know someone who has, you're probably aware that saying the word Macbeth inside a theater is strictly taboo, unless it's in the context of being rehearsed or performed. Doing so is almost universally believed to bring about bad luck or even disaster. So to avoid the risk, actors refer to the play by a variety of euphemisms, such as the Bard's play or the Scottish play. According to legend, Shakespeare utilized a real 17th century black magic ritual in the opening scene of Act 4. This public display of secret witchcraft is said to have angered real witches in the audience prompting them to curse the play forever. And indeed, this curse has supposedly been wreaking havoc on productions of the play since its first performance over four centuries ago. The play's long and varied history of bad luck started with that premiere performance of the play in 1606, when Hal Barrage, the boy actor playing Lady Macbeth, suddenly became feverish and died the night before the opening. Shakespeare himself had to take up his role in the 11th hour. To add insult to injury, King James I, who famously commissioned the first English version of the Bible in 1604, was not a fan of its supernatural incantations and banned the play on his way out, a ban that would delay the second night's performance for five years. But this was just the tip of the iceberg. In 1672, the actor playing King Duncan was allegedly killed in front of a live audience when a real dagger was accidentally used in place of the stage prop during the stabbing scene. In 1775, Sarah Siddons, playing Lady Macbeth, was nearly killed by an enraged audience. In 1947, actor Harold Norman, who reportedly did not believe in superstition, was accidentally stabbed in the chest by a fellow actor and died later from the wound. The following year, Diana Wynyard sleepwalked off a rostrum and fell down 15 feet, breaking her heel. In 1937, Laurence Olivier played Macbeth during a production where the curse really ran riot. The first thing that happened was that the theater manager had a heart attack and died on his way to the dress rehearsal. Olivier just missed death or serious injury when a stage weight fell from above and narrowly missed him. The director and an actress ended up in hospital one night when they were involved in a car crash on their way to the theater. On another evening, Olivier's sword broke during one of the fight scenes and flew into the audience, hitting a man who died of a heart attack. 
1942 run of the play starring Sir John Gielgud notched up one of the highest body counts. When his King Duncan and two of his witches died, one right on stage, and on opening night, their costume designer committed suicide backstage among the racks of costumes. Even the productions which everyone survives seems plagued by lesser misfortunes. Peter O'Toole nearly drove off a cliff while he was rehearsing his 1980 Macbeth, and his Lady Macbeth was in a motorcycle accident. The third performance was stopped by a bomb threat during which someone stole O'Toole's only family heirloom, a prized pocket watch. Worse yet, from a professional point of view, the production was one of the worst disasters of O'Toole's career, and has been said to be a factor in the old Vic companies losing its government subsidy and folding. Productions of the play have also been the center of raucous audience riots, including one in 1721 at Lincoln's Inn Fields Theater, and another in 1772 at Covent Garden. In 1849, a long-standing rivalry between fans of British actor William Charles McCready and American Edwin Forrest turned violent during a production at New York's Astor Place Opera House, leaving 22 dead and more than 100 injured. Now, of course, there is no evidence that all of those accidents were anything other than coincidences. Accidents are bound to happen, especially in a play as old as Macbeth. After all, any production that has been staged for more than 400 years is bound to have its fair share of accidents. And theater technology and safety were not nearly as effective back then as they are today. For nine months out of the year, I live in the theater where I make my living as an opera singer. I've done Macbeth on more than one occasion, without a bit of trouble. Except the one time when our Macduff hobbled his way through the last three shows after falling off a parapet, nearly breaking his ankle. I think he also lost his voice and a prop rolled into the pit and dented a very expensive viola on closing night. Now, some singers go on stage with a bent nail in their pocket for good luck. I know a conductor who knocks three times on the way onto stage without fail. I once worked with a singer who needed a chair just off stage to do a series of sits and stands in a particular sequence between entrances. I myself am particularly guilty of an occasional toy 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 as we go on stage, which is a favorite onomatopoeic rendition of spitting three times over your shoulder, which by the way, is just one part of a sequence of requirements along with spinning around three times, cursing, leaving the theater, and waiting to be invited back in, should you make the mistake of referring to the Scottish play by its real name. I suppose that is to say that, in the words of the great Michael Scott, while I'm not superstitious, I am a little stitious. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.